Hello and welcome back to the Perth to Paisley podcast. This is episode number 22, Can You Believe It? No. It's my lucky number. However, it was not lucky for Heart of Midlothian this past week. I am, of course, Daniel McIver, one of your regular hosts, and I am, as always, joined by Adam Kennedy. Adam, how are you doing? What's going on, mate? Uh, yeah, another weekend ruined by our, our team, so no, it was, it was a good laugh. What about yourself? Oh great, I've had a fantastic weekend of PCs breaking, bank accounts getting hacked and my football club getting embarrassed. So it's been a fantastic few days for me, personally. Excellent, I'm delighted to hear it. Absolutely. So yes, um, if you've somehow missed it, Heart of Midlothian played two games against Aloe Athletic this past week. One of them was very good. We'll get to that first. But one of them was very, very, very bad. And we'll get to that one in due course. However, we're going to do this chronologically, even though people probably want to hear us speak about the negatives first. We thought we'll just get the positives almost out the way and focus on the game on Saturday. However, in the championship, Hearts welcomed Aloha to Tynecastle Park. It was a Tuesday evening kickoff. Adam, how did you feel when you saw the team initially line up and did you think we've got this or do you think this could be a bit of a tight game? Um, I think everyone was a, that little bit apprehensive heading into the game, obviously with the, the Friday night Dunfermline disaster, but it looked, it looked a pretty strong team and particularly I think at home, I know it might sound a bit daft, but even with no fans, I feel as though there's a different mindset where we play at Tiny and teams probably adopt a different game plan in order to try and frustrate us when we're at home. Um, but ultimately, I thought the team was... It looked good on paper and so it proved with our, our first-half performance, definitely. Absolutely. Well, quite uncharacteristically, Hearts kind of just controlled the game but also got the goals required. So... Very early on, Michael Smith continued his trend of winning Daniel McIver some money uh, as he scored first from an Andy Halliday cross in about eight minutes. Then, an absolutely fantastic goal with about 12 passes involved that was then eventually finished by Andy Halliday. And then, just as about to go into half-time, Jamie Walker squared the ball across to Peter Haring. And we go into half three now up. At that point, Adam, are you thinking, game's gone, that's it, we've got the win, we're going to score some more? Or do you think, we've got this in the bag, but we're going to just kind of shut up shop? Um, I'm not sure whether shut up shop's the kind of right terminology at 3-0 up, but I think you, you take your foot off the gas, don't you? I think, do you know, it, it, was, it was a really professional job, I thought, on, on Tuesday night, particularly given, like I say, the Dunfermline defeat. And the fact that we got off to such a, a flying start, I think, speaks volumes. It, it basically sets sets out what you want to achieve so early on. And like you say, I thought we actually played some really nice stuff, so scored some good goals. It's just, I don't know, I, I think you, you're asking a lot for the second half performance to be duplicated from that first half, personally. I could not agree more um yeah the second half wasn't anything great to watch however the game's done completely finished um however there was 
an interesting thing to happen in the second half was that Liam Boyce missed two penalties in a row. What was your take, first of all, on Boyce being the penalty taker? As obviously we spoke last week about should Boyce still be in the team, etc., etc. How did you feel when he stepped up to take that penalty? Then when he stepped up to take the second penalty, and then when you realised, oh, he's no scored either of them. <laughs> I thought that uh, I thought that given his uh, decent recent penalty run, that it would just it just seemed a no brainer that he was going to get his name on the score sheet. And to be honest, I think it's probably what his performance deserved. I know, I know he divides opinion in the fan base. But I think that his intelligence and link-up for Halliday's goal was apparent. Because he's allowed time to turn. But there's so many that could easily give the ball away. And he doesn't panic. He knows what he wants to do. Perfectly executes the pass for, for him to score. I just thought as though the penalty was kind of the, the perfect opportunity to... I don't want to say regain confidence in front of goal. But it does seem as though something's not quite clicking for him in, in that respect um, but that being said there were two dreadful penalties the first the first's a shocker and I don't mm-hmm. know I, th- I think it's more a poor strike than it is a good save and the second he's obviously just thought oh well that was absolutely dire I've got another bite of the cherry I'm just going to smash this and surely it'll you know bust the net but mm-hmm. it obviously didn't pan out that way and to be honest, his his frustrations were apparent. I thought after after the two of them. Absolutely, and I I totally agree. I've made no bones about it that I really like Liam Boyce. I I really feel sorry for him because it's just not clicking from in front of goal, but it's clicking everywhere else. It seems, um, as you mentioned, his assist for Halliday's was fantastic. His runs off the ball, his general linker play. I seem to be saying this every single week, and you're all getting probably sick and tired of hearing me say this, when rightly people are saying that he needs to be doing better in front of goal, because he absolutely does. But I do feel sorry for him, because I don't think it's the case of so many that we've had come to this club and be, oh, they're rubbish, they're just missing it. It's like, no, he is the most proven striker we've had in years, apart from probably Lafferty. And it's like, I just think it's a moment. At some point, he'll get a goal from open play, because he scored that goal against Inverness that was fantastic. And I think he'll get another one like that and then hopefully just properly kick on. But someone I wanted to mention, because I especially... I especially was very critical of him last week in discussing the Dunfermline performance. However, on Tuesday night, in that more advanced role, I think Andy Halliday would feel a bit remiss not to get man in the match. I understand Hearing definitely deserved it. Hearing was fantastic. But I feel Halliday was pretty close to perfect in that performance. And it's summed up by the fact that he's grabbed himself a goal and obviously got the assist for the the Smith opener. Do you know what? I absolutely love a midfielder arriving from deep to contribute in the final third and I know he, he maybe was that bit further forward but he doesn't seem that type of player for me Andy Halliday but I thought that it was <laughs> you know this is where it's funny because there's going to be I know there's going to be somebody that takes this the wrong way but it was very sort of Frank Lampard-esque for me I'm a real <laughs> I'm, no because I'm a real sucker for kind of 
a midfielder that's able to grab himself a goal and assist, but because uh, I used to love watching Frank Lampard play, and Halliday was obviously cool, calm, and collected for his goal. And like I say, Liam Boyce is made by Liam Boyce, and all that was missing from Liam Boyce's performance was a goal. And like you, I do feel sorry for him because I've I just look at it and I think last season we played with Uchik Piezu, a, a six foot three centre forward, and rarely crossed into the box for him. And yet this season we've got Liam Boyce, who isn't the tallest. I think he's about six foot, and he's our lone striker, and we're continually crossing for him. And I know that some of the deliveries don't necessarily help him, but. What I can't fathom in recent fixtures is why we continually cross when there seems to be a real lack of aerial presence for me up there. And I've touched on it on here and on Twitter. I would love to see us sign a target man to compliment Liam Boyce, personally. The number nine shirt is still available. And you obviously mentioned Kyle Lafferty, a former number nine. I, I, I think Liam Boyce is more proven than Kyle Lafferty ever was. I think Lafferty's spell mm-hmm. was with us was the most prolific of his career, I think. Um, because he was a bit yeah. part at Rangers and, I mean, let's be frank, he's had more clubs than Tiger Woods. But I just, I'd, I would go as far as to say that Liam Boyce is probably the most established striker we've signed since maybe, if we're talking goals and games... John Sutton, probably coming yeah, off the back probably. of that, off the back of that Motherwell spell. Yeah, you'd, I I can't really think of anybody else that has come with that kind of level. No, to and, us. and and that pedigree because pff, I'm even thinking around that time. I don't know your your Kyle's and Elliot's neither were particularly prolific. Craig Beatty wasn't, so not it probably is Big John Sutton. What a blast from the past. Absolutely. But I do agree. I think Boyce desperately needs a partner. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know what else we can say about that performance. I was just very happy. Some Hearts fans were not very happy with that performance. And going on to what we're about to speak about, I think those Hearts fans will be a wee bit red-faced considering they were complaining about a 3-0 dominant win when the weekend happened. But just before we go on to that, did you have any complaints about Tuesday night? No, because because like like we've said on the pod, the result is ultimately all that matters. And I know people berate the performance at East End and say, well, we should be absolutely battering Aloha. They're one of only two part-time teams in the division. This should be a cricket score, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, we had to bounce back. We did so... Thoroughly professionally, I thought, given that first half performance, and really, I know it's a shorter season, but the cliche is is that it's a long season. So I don't see the the point in kind of being all guns blazing all the time. I think there are times where we're going to have to rein it in and kind of think of the bigger picture. To be honest, that yeah. It's three good goals, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't see what folk are complaining about. I think I mentioned the crossing conundrum. Our third was from a cutback, and there's you can't please everyone because there'll be folk saying, "Oh, why are we not launching it in the box?" or "Why are we always looking for one pass too many?" 
But what more do you want? It's a, it's a 3-0 win after our, defer, our first defeat of the season and all things considered, it's probably the perfect way to bounce back. Could not agree more. We then <laughs> played Alawa again, only four days later on Saturday. However, in a different competition. This was in the Scottish League Cup, not the Scottish Cup, as I said last week. And we went there. I think we all expected it to be a very different game. Obviously, the plastic pitch is a complete game changer. I know some people disagree with that, but I disagree with them. I think it completely changes the way the game is played. And before we get into anything like that, we actually here at Perth to Paisley had one of our members in attendance. And I'm just going to let Adam explain a wee bit more of that. What, what an honour to see Hart's first defeat to Aloha ever. Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I've just, I've just moaned at people moaning about a 3-0 win. If you're moaning about this defeat, it's it's fully justified. I think I'm I'm not I'm not going to come on here and slate Aloha because I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity that they gave me on, on Wasp TV to obviously co-commentate with Kieran, who I met for the first time. Great guy, obviously an, an Aloha loyal who I've got massive respect for. Um, but with my maroon tinted specs on. That's that's not that's not good enough, and you know it's it's funny. I think all being considered, we've just talked how we've demolished a team in one half of football at home, and yet fast forward less than a week, and we've lost to the same opponent at their place in the cup. It just it really infuriates me as to why we cannot travel well. That's two defeats consecutively on the road to. With all due respect, Dunfermline Athletic and Aloe Athletic. And it's something about athletics. That's what it is. <laughs> Thankfully uh, it's Greenick Morton on Saturday. But yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a bugbear of mine. And I think I think back to when we were we and when we'd finish kinda of in the in the higher realms of the premiership table, and I think a large chunk of that was always given that Tiny used to be an absolute fortress and we'd rely mm. on our home form because for what for what I can see, Hearts have never ever been decent travellers. Ever. Would you go along mm. with that? Absolutely. I literally I can count on my hand games that I would go into going, ah yeah, like thinking back, that was a good away win. Like, when's the last time we won away in Dundee or at St Johnston or Inverness? or Ross County, or St Mirren, like, just, there's so many grounds where you go, oh, we've maybe won one in, like, 13. It took us six years or something to beat Aberdeen again at Pataudry, and the last time we had done it, before I can't remember what the last score was when we beat them, but before that, it was a 1-0 win from Dowda. Jesus. And I can recall a Ryan Stevenson hat-trick, I think, when we were an admin. It's funny you mentioned Dundee, because... <laughs> our recent record at Dens is actually not too bad which gives me encouragement for obviously the season ahead but the the other grounds that you mentioned there I mean St Johnston and St Mirren the, this this pod is titled Perth to Paisley and yet I couldn't tell you the last time we won in the league in either Perth 
Or Paisley. Or Paisley. <laughs> it's genuine. It's a disgrace. And yet, here we are going to Aloha. Like, it's their first ever win against us. I know that there's... Nah, some, there was a victory no, shield thing. The, the victory cup, I was about to say, I know that there's some technicalities regarding the, the 1946 victory cup in the, <laughs> the one-off... The one-off tournament that essentially was never followed up, but in all seriousness, mate, that and you need only look at the performance. You look at obviously, it was great being at the game because the last away day that I had was St Mirren and Paisley with the Abika winner, and I think that was just about everyone's last away day. So yeah. to go that long and to actually see us again in the flesh, it, I can't lie, it it, it was great. At three o'clock, um, and then you, you, I, I came home, and then it's all a bit of a blur still, because of the day, like who I saw, whatever, and, and then coming on to air tonight, and I'm watching the highlights back, and I think you need only look at the the so-called highlights package that Hearts put up. I mean, what a load of absolute tosh! The only golden chance that I can remember falls to us six, seven minutes in the game, and we should score. You know, Craig Gordon kicks it long, Liam Boyce takes a fantastic touch, and he slots through Ollie Lee, just as he did uh, with Andy Halliday on Tuesday night. And he's one-on-one, bearing down on goal. I don't know whether it's a hesitance to shoot, but Ollie Lee seems to kind of dilly-dally and opt to take it round Neil Parry. Um, And then Liam Boyce is obviously denied by the goalkeeper too, but I know it's easy to say, but I can't help but feel that it's a different game should Ollie Lee put that away, personally. Well, I'll take I'll take you back about ten minutes before that, as you're on commentary and every Hearts fan around the country and the world is looking at the team, and suddenly we see that the captain on the game not the club captain, but the man who has taken their captain's armband this season more than anybody else, Craig Halkett, has to pull out due to an injury that he sustained in training. And that meant that Mihai Popescu comes in. Now, the team overall, I don't think we need to have much discussion about it because it was now, sadly, considering the result, a very strong team that I'd put up against most teams. However, the one thing I want to focus on before we discuss the game generally is how did you feel Popescu and Berra did? Because I'll just... Listen, I'm not going to pretend. I haven't seen anything from this game. I didn't pay for it. I didn't watch it. I have seen the penalty incident. I haven't even seen the penalty. I've seen the penalty incident, and that's it. But using Twitter and speaking to you and speaking to my dad who watched it and reading Joel Sked's article who was there... He actually said Popescu and Berra weren't dreadful. They were. I imagined that when I see the result and stuff like that, that everybody's just going to get slaughtered. Whereas Joel Sked, in his appraisal, said that particularly Berra was actually pretty solid. Would you go along with that, or do you think, no, if you were in that team, you were automatically, you had a bad performance? No, I, I, I think I would go along with that. I think... I think that was also highlighted on, on Tuesday night. I thought Christoph Berra had a, two back-to-back really good games. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the centre-half pair, and I'll be honest, I think was a bit of a a bit of a concern for me. But again, there, there was no reason to. Robbie obviously said post-match that he was happy with 
Popescu and confirmed that Halkett had had a back spasm and whatever. So that's just that's just one of those things. But do you know what? It sounds daft, but as much as I didn't think that we dominated the game, I do feel as though we maybe had the the better of proceedings. But it's it's in midfield and on the flanks and up front that I have the issues because we we didn't dominate as such had the better of it yet didn't really look like scoring bar that one chance that I've just said with Lee I, I felt as though Alawa were excellent in kind of preventing us from playing pressing when they needed to sitting off us when necessary I thought I thought it was a very thorough and detailed performance um but we were just we were just really poor really really poor and I don't think that's down to the centre half pairing to be honest well that is a positive I am glad to hear that because obviously when you hear that Halkett's pulled out the warm up and I did see that Nielsen said it was a, a back spasm due to the surface you kind of panic and go is that Halkett going to be missing so it, it does fill me with a bit of confidence to know they played well um, I want to move to two men who we spoke about after Friday night you've already mentioned one I've already mentioned one I was very complimentary of one Andy Halliday, uh, Joel Sked gave a three to alongside a partner of Ollie Lee and it seems that those two in particular are two of the most angry in terms of fan reaction um, especially because Halliday put in such a good performance on Tuesday night apparently he was just never in the game and Ollie Lee, of course, misses that chance that you speak about, but generally, again, over the game, doesn't play particularly well. So the question I have for you is, why is Andy Irving not starting in this team? Do you know, it's funny, when you were mentioning Lee and Halliday just there, I thought, what does Andy Irving actually have to do to get a game? It, it baffles me. He Now, is... I know he missed out on Tuesday due to a head knock. There was talks about why is Irvin not even in the squad. Nielsen confirmed it was a head knock. However, he was on the bench for that game on Saturday and he came on towards the end. And I personally, at least this is just personally, if a player isn't fit enough to play, he shouldn't be on the bench. If they're on the bench, that means they're fit enough to play. Yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that. I, he, he, to me, is the only one out that quartet that play in the middle of the park that gets us up the park and actually makes us look threatening. Do you not think Herring does? <sighs> to an extent, but I feel as though Big Pete gives it to somebody else in order, you know... Yeah, his job, he's more the low-block yeah, defensive midfielder. Yeah. I, I'm not expecting Peter Herring to <laughs> to mould into Frank Lampard, but he's, uh, <laughs> honestly, it's just... It, it baffles me as to how Andy Irving doesn't get a game. When I look at how pedestrian Halliday and particularly Lee are, because I think Andy Halliday is a little bit more defensive. I would expect Ollie Lee, given his track record at Luton, to contribute more in the final third, and he just doesn't appear to do so for me at the minute. I, I cannot fathom how Andy Irving doesn't get a game. And like you say... I was one of the ones that was disappointed to see that he'd missed out on, on Tuesday night. But I'd have thought that that would have resulted in at least, at minimum, an earlier introduction on Saturday than we got. I think it was 
I think it was last week's podcast when we were discussing the Dunfermline game that I said I never wanted to see Lee and Halliday play again together. And then on Tuesday night, they didn't. And we went 3-0. And then on Saturday, they played together and we have one of the most embarrassing results we've had in ages. I just, I totally understand, right, the logic of if, for example, particularly with Halliday, because he missed so much, if he's going to get better, he needs to be playing regularly, and that is fine, and I do accept that. But much like we said last week, with if you can't have a winger, don't play Craig White in that position. If you don't have the centre miss to facilitate it, and you just feel that you need to play Ollie Lee, you don't need to play Ollie Lee. On that bench was Andy Irvin and Scott McGill, two individuals who haven't really put a foot wrong this season. I know Andy Irvin um, should have been sent off earlier in the season and he wasn't and at Dunfermline he didn't really come on and do much but that's because he was introduced so late generally Andy Irvin has looked good Scott McGill I don't think has put a foot wrong yet this season I thought he's looked really really good so far so I just I, I personally just don't understand this perseverance with two players who clearly cannot play together no and I, I don't know whether Irving's um, Irving's I don't want to say misselection, that's not the right word. Whether the reason for Irving not being selected is down to the rumours regarding his contract and the fact that he hasn't signed yet and he's Do you know what I'm trying to say? He's not he's not really yeah. he's not shown his commitment to the cause just yet. And I know that he's a boyhood jambo and that listen, I I'm one of the ones that's begging him to sign. And, I think and we once, don't know that our contract's even been offered to him yet. No, no, of course. This is all merely speculation. But I, I can't help but, but... That would be... He's not starting because for me, if fit and available, he plays. It's as, it's as simple just, as that. I think, it's, um, I think it's a bit crazy that we still haven't seen the partnership of Herring and Irving as a two. No, and how? I mean, how long have we spoken about this, the two of us in particular, wanting to see... Haring break up and distribute it, give it to Irving, drag us forward. But it's it it doesn't seem to be the case. Haring, Haring, Lee and Halliday, the trio. I don't I don't understand because it seems far too negative for me personally. And then now I'm starting to wonder whether we need another creative influence. But then if if we're looking at the squad when everyone's fit and available. We should have Walker to play in the 10, Naismith to play in the 10. Is it that bad that Josh Janelli's absence essentially leads to kind of juggling the squad in that Walker then goes out to the right, somebody comes into his position because then Naismith came off the bench, you had Whiten coming off the bench as well. It just, it seems to me like we don't know our strongest team yet still. Yeah. I would, I would definitely agree with that and you actually mentioned a name that I wanted to move on to um, listen much like my love for Craig Whiten over this season and our general support for Andy Irvin and Michael Smith and Stephen Kingsley and stuff like that I have not been shy and not kept it quiet that I don't think Jamie Walker is good enough I didn't want him to re-sign uh, I didn't feel he did anything in the Premiership last season and I was very much like right listen 
Championship. This is this is where you became Jamie Walker last time. You're with your manager, uh, and I think he's looked worse. I think for a, apart from a couple of moments, like obviously he got an assist against uh, Al on Tuesday night for his cut back against Herring, and he scored a penalty, but then he also missed a penalty. I just, I just don't think he he doesn't look like he cares to me, and I know that might be harsh because and listen. I'm not saying that he doesn't care because I will never know that. No one will ever know that. But either he doesn't care and that's bad or he's just, quite frankly, not good enough and he should leave. It's funny, isn't it? Because I made the prediction that he would be our player of the year. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you did. And that initially looked quite promising and now looks to be absolutely way off the mark. Um... He missed a sitter, I thought, in the win over Alloa. And he missed a mm-hmm. couple decent headers. or Not decent as such, but they're kind of half chances um, in the first half to, in, in the defeat to Alloa. Obviously, gives away the penalty, which we can discuss. Personally, don't think it is, but that's, mm-hmm. no, that's absolutely... I thought at the time it, it might have been, but then having seen the replay, it's soft, but what what can you do I think these these two performances from Jamie Walker he's not covered himself in, in glory I just there's there does seem a lot to be desired still for me and I would go along with you and say that I don't know whether it's a it's a that he can't be bothered I feel as though it's maybe like an arrogance thing or Mm-hmm. I think I think it's not just him. I think some of the squad, of course, need, need to buck up their ideas. And maybe we're maybe we're not as good as we think we are. Maybe maybe it is just a, a a mental thing that we can rock up, turn up, and demolish whoever it is in this league. Um, I, I obviously stuck around for post match press conferences after the game, and some of which we'll we'll drop in the podcast, having heard from. Robbie Nielsen and Craig Gordon but I actually stuck around for Peter Grant and uh, Alan Troutons as well and Alan Troutons said that a couple of their players comments i.e. Hearts players comments at 3-0 up on Tuesday when it was easy for them fired us up for today if that's the case and we've got arrogant arseholes in our ranks then it's time for them to wake up and smell the coffee because this just this is not good enough away from home it's a real real bugbear of mine and it has been throughout my you know, heart supporting days, but at least in the Premiership, it's it's top tier away nonsense. This this just simply is not good enough. It's interesting that that point was made, right? Because you told me uh, before anything was published that he said that, and then in all the newspapers and stuff like that, I saw that. I think that's a poor excuse for us. I think that's selling. I think that's given us too much credit, saying that uh, they were arrogant on Tuesday, so we got ourselves up for it. That shouldn't matter. Alwa at their peak up for it shouldn't be able to beat Hearts. I know that might sound arrogant in and of itself, but it shouldn't be that just because some of our players are a wee bit nippy, that then that means Alwa can go and beat us a few days later. Our players should be able to be nippy and then the next game still be able to beat them. I think saying to some Hearts players, oh, listen, you need to stop being like that, gives them an excuse. 
because it's going, you should be good enough to beat this team, regardless how you're feeling, how you're playing. We are a better football club. Even, no, I don't even mean because they're in this league. Purely from a part-time versus full-time. We are full-time players versus part-time players. That should You shouldn't be getting beat off part-time players. No, and do you know, it seems as though... It seemed as though for the, the Dundee win, everybody was on the same page. Mm-hmm. And yet, that just seems to totally paper over cracks. It seems as though for the past season... Even even more so beyond that, maybe toward the end of Craig Levine's spell, I'm now starting to wonder whether we're just we ought to have a look at our own ideas. It seems as though we're quick to kind of pass the buck and blame onto everybody else. You know, we we go down and are demoted, and yes, yes, it is unfair. But let's not kid on that we weren't absolutely shit for the duration of last season, and mm-hmm. four wins from thirty league games. You know, we've equaled that already. That speaks volumes as to how poor we actually were. And now I'm starting to think, it's it's all right blaming uh, officials. You can blame referees all you want. And yes, the officiating is a large part of the game. But don't let that distract you from the fact that for large chunks of the game, we were shit. And ultimately, we've got what we deserved. None of this nonsense about, oh, we should have had the game out of sight. It's a load of absolute rubbish. You're sugarcoating a dire performance, an awful attacking display, and yet Hearts seem more insistent on dragging out more minutes of highlights than a 3-0 win against the same mob during the week on Hearts TV. I must have watched a different game from Robbie and Sven when they when they were doing their post-match presser. The first half, Robbie's on about how we should have been ahead or kind of two or three goals to the good. I'm thinking, Ollie Lee's chance is the best of the game. But to say that we've created a load of chances that didn't take them, that's just the blind leading the blind. I'm not I'm not buying that. Yes, we might have got into good areas, but our decisions and final ball is ultimately what's cost us, because I thought both of which were absolutely atrocious. It is interesting you mention that, because I was speaking to some people who said that in that first 20 minutes we were fantastic. We were making plenty of chances. Yes, we didn't convert them, but we were still making the chances. So I have a feeling that's maybe what was meant. That it was like that period of time should have been the performance for the full... Well, it should have only been 90, but if you're going to take it 120, it should have been that for 120. And instead, it was for 20, and in 100 minutes, we were dreadful. I was going to say 20 minutes out of, what, two hours? Yeah. It's... As, as far as I'm concerned, the game should only last 90 minutes. and It's easy saying that we should go through and, you know... I, I'm in two minds about the result, to be honest, because initially I brushed it off as and thought, well, you know, it's only the week up. But then come to think of it, folk have been quick to chuck out how many consecutive competitive wins we've had in a row. And essentially, come Saturday afternoon, you've just wiped out a good chunk of them out because now it essentially means nothing. And we've made a, we've missed a great opportunity to reach a cup quarter-final. When you look at some of the teams left in it, Jesus wept. Like, you're trying to tell me that we couldn't take on... Well, obviously not this season, we haven't, but Dunfermline, St Johnston, St Mirren, Alloa obviously in there, Hibs still in there. Ross County, 
Livingston. It's not good enough. Well, before we get to my thoughts on the overall result, we will hear from uh, both Robbie Nielsen and Craig Gordon as Adam was at the game. So here is what they had to say after the game. You would have had a better view of the penalty after the think that Jamie actually caught him or did he seem to be protesting? No, I don't think so. Um, when the ball's just kind of bounced awkwardly and, and Jamie's running back, um, the guy's trying to get a strike on it, he takes a, a fresh air shot and gets a penalty. So that was how I saw it at the time. What did you obviously seem to be chatting to the referee about it after the game? Did he give you anything at all about it? Or? No, he refused to speak to me. I just asked what the foul was for, what part of his body did he make a foul? Because for me, Jamie was just running back beside him and yeah, he, he fell over trying to get the strike because it was bouncing awkwardly and the referee's seen a foul somewhere or thought maybe that maybe his angle, he thinks that, that Jamie's caught him but from, from my angle, I, I didn't see uh, very much contact, if any. If anything, he's, he's kicked Jamie trying to get contact on the ball. So um, yeah, it was, for me, I, I didn't think it was but you know, look at the game as a whole and we, we didn't score. Um, we've had plenty of chances in the game to to go and win the game without that, and um, haven't managed to do it. So I don't want to point fingers at the referee when we beat one 0 um, when, when we could have taken the game in our own hands and, and went and won it. It was a culmination of a pretty frustrating afternoon. It felt like it was getting more frustrating as the game was going on for you. Yeah, we, we created chances. Um, you know, the final ball wasn't great at times, and we, we struggled to. To get that one goal, if we, we got the first, then uh, I'm sure we'd have, have gone on and to, to win the game. We, we felt as if we're comfortable in the game, but we, we just couldn't get that goal. And in the grand scheme of things, obviously having beaten them during the week, there's a, there's a kind of level of expectation that you just come here and, and do it again. Is it you know? It's obviously it's more awkward than that. They, they, they seem to be a difficult side to break down. Yeah, especially here. But whenever you play an AstroTurf, it's a level that you, you've got to fight for every ball. The ball doesn't move the same as grass, so it's a different game. It's a different type of game to what we face uh, at Tynecastle when uh, the pitch is perfect. You come here, you come to an AstroTurf, you're going to have to fight for, for every ball. Um, the, the passing isn't quite as, as fast, uh, and that, that changes the, the game. But and it's still a game that we can play in and still can win. Um, you just have to adapt your game style. Dalton Ranger are now midweek before the Scottish Cup finals and the dust settles. Can you take that as end sort of order? No, not at all. No. I wanted to be in the Cup competition. I wanted to, to go far and try and win it. So no, that is absolutely no comfort whatsoever. <laughs> Dominated the game. They should have won it by two or three goals at least and they didn't have that final moment they had a couple of 1v1s great opportunities and they just didn't break for us today and then we get, we get done at the end with a bad decision just uh, uh, Craig was just saying the same thing he didn't think there was much contact or did you see it that way from where you were as well? yeah I saw it at the time and then I saw it on TV I've seen the video after and this isn't contact at all you know, but you know, you'd hope you got a referee that can see that but obviously didn't even, it ends up being the pivotal moment in the game that was a frustrating thing for you Really not, because we shouldn't have been in a position where that was the final pivotal moment, you know, because we had, we had totally dominated the play, good areas, good opportunities, and we didn't take it. Just sense, I mean, obviously you made the kind of five changes at varying points, but did, did you sense that, that almost as the game went on, no matter what you were doing, that, that the breakthrough was getting further away rather than closer? I, think so. I, think I always felt 
could get a goal on the to be fair, we should have got a goal, I think we'd probably agree ourselves that the amount of chances we had, positions we got into when we should have scored. Yeah. And that's been that, that, that's the reason we didn't progress in the cup is because we didn't take the opportunity. So we have to go away, we have to work on it and we have to look at the final moment, the concentration in the final moment. Did you try and speak to the ref about the penalty? Did he... I spoke to him earlier, but at the end of the day he's, he's made a bad decision. He'll look at it himself and you know, we just have to go on it. You get a yellow card, don't you? I got a yellow card just to speak to him, but uh, there's one of those some referees you can speak to. He's obviously one of them I want to speak to. So you got a yellow card for even just attempting to speak to him, did you? Was that, or? Yeah, I just spoke to him. I didn't swear that you know. So like, some referees just can't take people speak to them. Aye. You know, but some can. Obviously, he's one that doesn't want to be spoken to. I think when he looks it back again and realises he's made a bad decision, and hopefully he learns it. Yeah. Think I've got to pull out for the game. Yeah, he's back spasm just in the warm up. So. Uh, so one of those things, prepare to come in and I thought we actually did quite well. You know, look, disappointing day for us, it's a very disappointing day, but I have to look ourselves in the middle and say at the end of the day, the final meeting was good enough. Thanks, sorry, Robbie. It's another blank for Liam Boyce this afternoon. Do you plan on persisting with him for Morton coming up? Of course, mate, he's a top striker, isn't he? You know what I mean? Thanks, Rob. So, yes, that was uh, Hearts manager Robbie Nielsen and goalkeeper Craig Gordon speaking um, a quick just before I get any of my thoughts what was that like was because um, obviously Robbie's response to you was quite blunt uh, how did you feel that went um, I don't know whether I actually angered him or whatever during it I've, listen it was great obviously hearing his, his thoughts even despite the, the disappointment of the of the result but yeah I felt as though he just looked at me and thought what a stupid question who's this little mug like it was just I just felt as though I'd been dismissed so easily um but it, it was a question that I thought of purely because of the basis that he is dividing a lot of the fan base at the minute Liam Boyce and I've obviously had my thoughts on him you've had your thoughts on him would you drop him oh <sighs> Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd. I think after Saturday, I'd be inclined to go two up. <laughs> That's what I'd do, personally. And maybe, maybe now is the time for a a Haring Irving duo in midfield because Halliday mm-hmm. and Lee both awful on Saturday. Not that Big Pete was much better, but he was certainly the best at that trio. You've well, obviously got Josh Janelli to come back into the fray, whether mm-hmm, he will or not, yep. I don't know. Jordan Roberts, when he came on, absolutely awful. Thought his final ball was terrible, crossing genuinely atrocious. So the left-hand side's a concern. And then go Whiting and Boyce up front, personally. But I don't know, that's just, that's just my own opinion. Well, my thoughts on that result overall are, if you if you did listen to last week, I made the case of if we had to lose a game, which I didn't even consider it, I didn't think we'd lose a game, but if somebody had come to me saying you have to lose one game, I would have picked that game because this season the Cups mean nothing to me. Obviously, the Scottish Cup final means a lot, but even then I'm taking it as a free hit. Um, my main and only focus is to get out the week, yeah, it would have been great if we kept going. But it's not as important to me. However, the manner of the defeat is what infuriates me, is what is embarrassing. It's more embarrassing than anything else, um, at least personally. But 
I would have beat personally. I'd have been more annoyed if we got beat on Tuesday night because just personally to me that's the bigger game. I think I think there would have been there would have been more worry had we lost on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. But by the same score, if I was offered one to lose, you're right. It it, it would have been the Saturday. But I just think it. This is a trophy that we've not won since the sixties. Like. We've not won it since before my dad was born. That's how long it's actually been. And, you know, it, 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 in the grand scheme of things, it, it's third at best in the priority pile. But, as I say, looking at some of those teams left in the hat still, it's it just screams a massive missed opportunity for me because we've been knocked out, Celtic have been knocked out, and Aberdeen have been knocked out, all three of which in in the second round. Absolutely, I can't disagree with that. However, what I can disagree with, and I think you're on the same boat, is, listen, I don't know how serious to take this because I think it's laughable and embarrassing, but we'll have to speak about it because there's threads and threads about it on kickback. Adam, I'll just simply ask you, should Robbie Nielsen be sacked just now? Oh, yeah. Of course. No, I mean, what an absolutely nonsense suggestion. Seriously. I mean, I'm as disappointed as anybody regarding the result. And whilst I might not have agreed with all that he said on Saturday, I mean, that's that's embarrassing. That's That, to me, if this will be the same folk that are ripping the mickey out of Celtic fans out storming outside Parkhead after the defeat to Ross County. Mm-hmm. It's it's totally embarrassing. So, no, of course he shouldn't. Why? What, what do you think? Of course, like, listen, since day dot 2014, I've been a Robbie Nielsen fan. I never wanted him to leave. I said on the day left that we wouldn't get to the levels he, was, he got us to. I don't think anybody could have predicted how badly wrong it could have been. Robbie is definitely the manager. To put it in perspective, we've played 11 competitive games and won nine of them. See if see if it comes to March and we're fifth. That's when you start going, right, what is going on here? But losing two games, yes, two absolutely shocking performances and terrible games that we shouldn't be losing, but still only two games. We've won eighty-five percent of our games. More than that, actually. Like, can can and it's not. Every, I was about to say, can everybody please calm down? It's not everybody. It's a very small minority, but they're allowed one, and that is exactly what happened back in the day with the plane and stuff like that. However, we're in a Scottish Cup final. We should be winning this league. Robbie Nielsen should be heart and middle of the manager, and the fact we even have to discuss this. Is a bit mental. There's so. Oh, sorry, mate. Oh, wait, go, I, go. I was going to say there's there's frustration and then there's taking it too far, and that mm-hmm. just that's that's actually quite tragic when you think of it. Definitely, definitely. Well, from <laughs> fun enough speaking about something tragic, here it that's harsh. <laughs> but here is our thoughts on the finale of the BBC Hearts documentary, and we'll just get straight into it. Adam, it wasn't a very good documentary. No, it wasn't. Um, I think I think the finale perfectly sums it up. To be fair, <laughs> I'm I'm left somewhat underwhelmed. 
by by the I just think um, I just think there was for me there was two main thoughts. One, I was very very uneasy around the Daniel Stendel situation, and two, I I can't believe how badly it was created and edited and stuff like that. However, we will start at the top. Obviously, the main point of this episode was Hearts enforced relegation through COVID and all the battles that went on with that. However, right at the very start, we see that, well, a big pandemic's hit and everyone's not taking it as seriously as we all should have, but then we realise the actual implications of it. Um, What were your thoughts initially... Before we get into the legal battles and all that stuff, we'll just speak about Stendhal first. How how do you feel he came across in this episode? Because as you said in the last episode, you feel that there was parts that kind of made him seem a bit foolish or seem a bit ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's just personal opinion. I, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'm not going to turn around and say that I wasn't a fan of, of Daniel Stendhal. I, I, was, I was a big fan of Stendhal's. I, I thought it was quite quite an exciting out the box or outside the box appointment. Um I just thought with with him leaving it looked bad on us, I thought, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It just he he kinda said no matter which league when he was asked would he stay and whatever. And it just makes me wonder was he sort of unofficially sacked? I know that Budge said that the clause within his contract meant that he could leave or that we could make him leave and it seems like we've just enforced the latter to be honest it's definitely interesting because i agree with you i personally feel especially the way he found out i think is very it, it looking badly on us is an understatement i really i disagree with it personally however it was interesting i did see quite a few people on twitter say well it's not too dissimilar with how he treated bera uh, there is remarks of, well, listen, you can't have emotion in football. He didn't show emotion to Berra with the connection he has with his club. So, therefore, we just did the same back to him. It's understandable, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... It... So, it's all, it's all hindsight now. I mean... It... Of course. The the documentary, I thought the, the first, maybe, first quarter of it was just kind of reiterating stuff that we already knew it just seemed to highlight what everybody knows regarding covid and the implications that it had on on scottish football really it just i don't know it seemed not repetitive as such but just a bit a bit dull mhm absolutely and listen i get it right this is going on bbc scotland it's not going on sky sports no of, co- like of course that. not it's going out to people who maybe necessarily aren't in the know in terms of the inner workings of the club. However, in my opinion, the way the BBC marketed it was like it was Sunday Until I Die, All or Nothing, stuff like that, where it was a big bombastic inside look into the football club that had a terrible season, when in reality, it was nothing like that. And I think you're completely spot on with your kind of review of the first wee bit. However, we then move into the legal challenges and uh, Brian McLaughlin kind of speaks us through it. 
again, for us, who were literally hanging off every single update throughout the summer about it, we knew everything. However, to people who didn't or kind of paid attention to it but didn't really know a lot, it kind of explained everything. But again, I feel like it really hurried through everything. Yeah, it seemed to kind of skim over the important details and kind of give a a general consensus rather than actually going into depth about the things that mattered most. The Dundee vote bit was the main bit that got me because that was the figurehead of the entire reason that, that it was so drawn out. And it just was kind of just been like, oh yeah, Dundee, uh, we don't know what happened to the vote, but it's fine. When in reality, it's like that was the whole, that was the match that lit this fire. I was going to say, particularly when it also showed our match against Dundee later on. Surely then, mm-hmm. you, surely then they'd have coupled the two, not necessarily together, because stuff obviously happened in between, but certainly they should have been building that up. And then mm-hmm. if they were making Hearts look great, ultimately that Dundee um, win at Tynecastle was then kind of the, the perfect retaliation for what Dundee had ultimately put us and everybody else through. Absolutely. Um, so we get through that. And then my, weirdly, right, because again, I've said this the last three weeks in a row, I'm the sad person that looks at Ed and stuff like that. The, my main issue with this episode was that, and it's kind of been throughout the whole show, it's just that it's just bluntly, the BBC, I've felt they've been very lazy towards this in terms of production. And when Robin Nielsen is appointed, the music choice is like a clown in a circus. I'm trying to think back to what it was. It was like circus music, that it was like a tuba playing like a plodding thing as Robbie's walking on the turf and it's like no that whether people like it or not that implies a certain thing that should have been put behind music that was swelling that was uplifting because it's a start of a new dawn but also a kind of hark back to an olden time where everything was great it shouldn't have been oh look this guy's now in charge what's he going to do I don't know whether it was trying to capture the thoughts of kind of everything surrounding Dundee United and them ultimately losing Robbie to us. I don't know. I just... You're right. It it seems as though they're kind of... I don't know. They they just seem to have their priorities kind of all wrong and stuff just seems so mismatched within it. It just... I don't... Whether it be the actual order of events happening, like in the second episode, I think it was, where when Boyce signs and mm-hmm. obviously scores against Rangers, it just seems all all erratic and all over the place. Absolutely. And then we end with, as you say, the battering of Dundee. Uh, we also had some wee bits of the youth players, which was quite cool. I felt they didn't do as much as they could have with them, but... That was quite interesting. However, again, we finished with Gary Locke, which was lovely. And, and Gary Locke's earlier cameo in the, the finale was... I just thought it perfectly encapsulated his presence on the documentary <laughs> because he's seriously... Uh, when he's... Uh, Lee McCulloch's career. 
and then, and then he says something along the lines of, he'll be perfect for us because we won't have to turn the floodlights on, yeah. regarding his teeth, which I thought was superb content. Um, I actually did want to say that. Lee McCulloch and Gordon Forrest seem like the best pair ever. They, they do. It's like the Chuckle Brothers, don't they? It's just... They seem like an old married couple. It's great. <laughs> When Lee McCulloch was on about, he'll tell you that I go in the half and go past the Gordon Forest. And he's like, it often goes in the half and whatever. I just thought, it, yeah, it, it did have that kind of vibe about it. But you touched on it there. Again, there was some kind of unnecessary stuff. I thought the whole Andrew McKinley unveiling, the youngsters signing their deals. Um, I, I, I will give a wee shout out to Leah, actually, Leah Tweedy. Um, she's kind of a, a mutual friend of mine, if I can call her that. Um, her segment on signing for Hearts Women was was great. A, a Pennycook girl, and she showed her support when I had my piece in the Herald on men's mental health. So she seems mm-hmm. lovely, and hopefully she'll uh, she'll prove a good signing for Hearts. She's but, also been very good this season. So say no more. Um, but yeah, again, it's uh, some of it's just needless, like the thistle friendly and that. I just. Don't see the point. The the Dundee yeah. demolition is ultimately what they were building it up to, and coupled with the vote, that should have been their main focus. As though this is the finale, Hearts might turn a corner this season. Thanks for watching, but it just didn't seem that way at all. Yeah, and Ab- absolutely. And the, there was some great stuff within it. I thought. Uh, I thought the stuff about the dinner on the pitch was a, a great wee fundraiser. That was funny. When the boy said that uh, his meal was orgasmic. That was a, I that, just loved how raging the groundsman was. I just loved how he was sat being like, they didn't tell me this. They didn't say it was going to be like this. But like, that was... I thought I thought the groundsman came across very well in the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, they did. Um, and, and Craig Gordon's re-signing stuff was good when... I mean, I, I just about had goosebumps when he said that he wanted to feel that roar from the crowd again because that's something special. I just, oh. And even, uh, I'm not going to lie, the weekend was, was great for me because as uh, with my commentary, I was obviously able to see kind of who was in the crowd. So whether it be, you know, your Barry Andersons, Kenny McIntyre was there for the BBC Sports Sound host, saw Joel, had a good chat with Laurie Dunsire, and then saw... And in, in my row sat along from me, so I was sat with Kieran on my right, and to the right of him was Gary Locke, and on Lockie's right was Jim Jeffries, and I was just like, "What a row this is!" And I saw like, Stuart. "Is that you putting yourself on the same pedestal as Gary Locke and Jim Jeffries?" Absolutely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I saw Stuart Wallace and, and whoever, and even even the Alloa game when I was recording Craig Gordon. I I can't lie. I was a wee bit starstruck having not seen him in so long, particularly that that close. I just just couldn't help but look into his eyes and just imagine Christmas coming up. And yeah, it was great. He is a very very handsome man as oh, well as rid- a fantastic goalkeeper. Ridiculously handsome. He's aged insanely well. Yeah, he has. He has. When you see like the first. The first pictures where it's kind of the that black Yukio Bankas yeah. uh, Hummel goalkeeping strip to yeah. go from that to what he's aged to is, I'm I'm hoping for that kind of transformation. I, could I know, do with, I could absolutely. do with some of that. Well, at least we've got at least that's a positive. We can look at Craig Gordon when the football's eye bleeding. 
However, we will, speaking about Craig Gordon and football, we will now move on, finally, to the preview of this weekend's game against Greenock Morton, away from home, so we're probably going to get beat 5-0. However, Adam, how yes. would you line up? Would you make wholesale changes? Would you make a couple of changes here and there? How do you think it's going to go? Um, I would make a couple of changes. Um, I like, like we touched on, mate, I think... I would like to see us go two up, really. Mm-hmm. And that duo of Haring and, and Irving, I think now's their time. The flanks is a concern for me. I don't know whether Josh Janelli should be thrown in at the deep end straight away. But then Jamie Walker's not been cutting it in recent matches. Don't know who the hell's going to start on the left. Um, Do you want to hear my team? Go for it. Go on and inspire me. I'm going with what I said last week. <laughs> That three five three two. five two. Do you know what? In all seriousness, I w- I wouldn't be opposed to that because I just think then that fixes your wide men because you've got yeah, Kinsley and Smith there totally. And it it depends on the back three, mind you, because I don't want to see Bera on the left of a back three. But again, I wouldn't no. drop him given recent performances. But this is all this is all you do. You just put Bera in the central and Halkett on the left and Haring on and one of the sides. No, 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 Petescu. no, 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 no. Yeah, Popescu on the right, and then we have Haring and Irving as the two, oh, and then nice. Scott McGill as the ten, and Oofed. Boyce and Whiten up front. Scott McGill as the ten? I don't know if he can play as a ten, but he's literally been better than all our midfielders this season, That's apart brave. from Haring. That's a, that's a bold pick from you. I'd, I'd play thought... Irving in the ten, fuck it. I wouldn't be opposed to that either. Because he, he sees a forward pass that others sometimes don't. I, McGill I, and Herring as the two. May, maybe now is the time for the three-five-two, and Big Pete can walk Scott McGill through the game. Exactly. Yeah. I'm... See, Robbie, get me in. <laughs> I'll do it. Like, oh Jesus! This is where we listen. If it's anything like your football manager antics, we're in deep doo doo. I knew this was going to get mentioned. <laughs> it's only just when I thought of it, I thought, hold on, he's been, he's been. In fairness, recently. I've not been playing a three-five-two. I've been fucking playing that four-two-three-one. Oh, it's. Listen, don't even talk to me about football manager. I'm, I'm already hooked. I completed my first season and flew through it in literally oh, mate. about a day and a bit. I am. Mate, I'm five hooked. seasons into a Wolves save. Oh, unbelievable. Game. However, I know folk are here for yeah, no. Wolves football manager. No. And, we're, and we're here to talk about Morton and, to be honest... A far more exciting side. However, actually, <laughs> to to suddenly go super, super serious here, sorry to divulge, but it is football related and we're speaking about Wolves, our thoughts as a podcast go out oh. to Raul Jimenez, who it has been confirmed today that he did suffer, sadly, a fractured skull against Arsenal but thankfully he's conscious he's talking he's with his partner he's being checked but just all our thoughts go out to him it was just a horrific terrifying moment nice touch mate um yeah no it, it was brutal when you saw it in the flesh or as it happened rather that was oof. um Absolutely. but I'm, I'm i'm looking through this morton team and i'm just seeing i'm just seeing who's going to score for them on saturday I can see it already. I can envision it now. Does Robbie Muirhead play for them? Robbie Muirhead is their number nine. Oh, he does play for them. I knew he I was like, somebody who Nielsen had plays for them. <laughs> and another former heart striker plays for them. 
is it? God, at Morton. I was about to say Del Carrick, but he's at Airdrie. Yeah, um, right. Has Connor Salmon had a big money move? <laughs> has he? Hell, he's still at Falkirk, living it up with Aidan <laughs> Keener. Hey, they're flying now, in fairness to them. Felt for Falkirk as well, actually, last season with Wraith pipping them to yeah. promotion. I don't know who is it. Gary Oliver. Is it actually? Yep. Them two up front causing all sorts of chaos. Oh my god. See if they see if either one of them scores. See if Robin Muirhead just goes, I was class that one game against Rangers. I'll just do that again. This will get clipped up, won't it? When both when oh, both I'm... when both of them score in a two 0 or two one win, <laughs> this will get clipped up and played back to us. And we'll be solely responsible. Ah oh, I know. I know. We just need to... I mean, who else have they, have they got anybody that jumps out at you? Uh, I quite like the look of the boy Josh McPake on loan from Rangers. I think he's a decent player. Oh, aye, yeah. Um, particularly when I look at uh, Kai Kennedy as well at Inverness. He looks really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Aidan Nesbitt, I think Robbie had him at MK Dons as well. Ah, oh, okay. And possibly United, I don't know. Um, but yeah. That probably probably that Muirhead Nesbit Oliver trio and Josh McPake thrown in there. Yeah. Well, what is your score prediction then? Oof. Do you know what's? It's tough to predict it away from home. It is insane because, like, see if it was at home, I'd be like four nil us. <laughs> um. This is where I back the boys and look like a total numpty if it doesn't come off. Well, so far, Dusty's had a fucking nightmare, so whatever she's picked, don't pick that. I'm yet to record that, but she's... she Listen, she's backed hearts the past two away days, and the Jambos need to get their finger yes. out. Um, she, she did think we'd draw it home to Allah, though. That was a shocker. Um, <laughs> no, as fucking shocking as the actual result on Saturday, though. No. I'll say that Hearts will win. Big call. One uh, nil, nice and boring. Oh, I was about to say what a drab affair that is. Yep. Nah, I'm going mental. Three two us. Three two Hearts. Yes, it's got to be so unlike any game this season, apart from Dundee. You've you've got to stick a quid on that. I'm just loading up Skybet to see what they'd offer you if that's what? if that's even out. I don't even know if it is out, but what would that offer me? Uh, Scottish Championship. Oh. Uh, this is scintillating. Greenock Morton 2, Heart Midlothian 3 is 20 to 1. That's not bad. I am getting 13 to 2 for 0 1. Well, can I just say, everybody should be listening to me for Heart's betting advice. <laughs> Given Michael Smith and his uh, heroics for first goal scorer. Has currently won me £210 this season, and overall I've won 350 of hearts this season. That is unreal, because you, it was Whiting as well against uh, Wraith, yep. wasn't it? Yeah. Yep, yes it was. Unbelievable It's scenes. just been going fantastically, and hopefully hearts will be going fantastically on Saturday as well. But that does bring us to this... Exciting, mostly negative, probably enjoyable for non-Hearts fans podcast, particularly Aloha fans. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. We just wanted to quickly say at the end here, um, last week was our most successful 
podcast ever, apart from the Andy Driver podcast. Uh, the YouTube views especially were great. So a massive, massive thank you to everybody who did that, particularly in that first 24 hours. Like it was, it was insane and it just helps us continue to grow and it, it means a lot that you care about our really shit football opinions. <laughs> means the world. The, the Hearts fan base, like them or lump them, they're, uh, they're ever-present. And yeah, like, like Daniel says, cannot thank you all enough. So, cheers, troops. Absolutely. Well, if you do want to listen to us, we are on basically every platform that there is. Please leave us a review on your platform of choice. It is much appreciated and goes a long way. If you want to get in contact with us, we are at Paisley on basically every single platform. If you want to email us, we are Paisley at gmail.com. To get us individually, Adam, what are you on social media? I'm at Adam T. Kendall on all the socials and yourself. I am at McIver the Mark. We do hope you've enjoyed. Hopefully, hearts can get the result this weekend. We will be back next week discussing all goings on from the past week. So we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Mundo Jaitis, keep the faith. <laughs>